coming up, an oxymoronically happy story about dying on the road. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Do hit me up on the website for that, won't you? Like, only if you're in the market. There's that. Let us get the most controversial part of today's story out of the way, up front, nice and early. It's this. Driving is safe, dudes. It's safe. But like the rest of life, it's just not totally safe. There is an element of risk. But driving is absolutely not unacceptably dangerous. It's just not. Like, in the manner of... I don't know, juggling a brown snake or playing hopscotch in a Cambodian minefield or something of that nature. And yet, the reality, okay, the relative safety of driving is the exact opposite of the impression you might form if you ever watch the nightly news, especially over the upcoming Christmas holidays where an otherwise slow news cycle can be sexed up infinitely with some good old-fashioned highway tragedy. Yes, thank God for that. Pro tip, the news is not reality, okay? It's just not. It's an inversion of reality. Take it from somebody who's worked a little in TV news. It doesn't generally get a run if it's not exceptional, whatever it is, okay? There's never a story about the millions of people who went on holiday and got home safely and uneventfully. If you were to compare annual road deaths on the basis of total combined kilometres travelled in Australia from, say, 1970 to 2019, excluding 2020, as a ratio, the road toll would have plummeted be interesting to do. Okay, I'm always up for a bit of interest and therefore let us do that for Muzz. Back when I was six years old in 1970 and dinosaurs roamed the earth, road death was fair income, out of control in this country. It was just out of control. In total, 3,798 people died on Australian roads back in 1970. And today, the annual death toll is just over 1,100. A bit less than 5 million vehicles were on the road in 1970. About 20 million vehicles today in Shitsville out on the road. Population in 1970 was 12.5 million, if memory serves. Today, it's double that, all right? Four times the vehicles and twice the population, but significantly less than one-third of the death on the road. If that's not the happiest story ever, I really don't know what is. In 1970, nearly eight people died for every 10,000 registered vehicles. Today, it's well below one death for every 10,000 vehicles. It was actually 0.56 in 2018, according to the feds. In 1970, 30-ish people died on the road for every... 100,000 people in the nation, and in 2018, it was about four and a half for every 100,000, okay? Essentially, therefore, in real terms, the roads are between seven and 14 times safer, depending on how you choose to measure such a thing. In 2018, we drove collectively 227 billion kilometres. That's just Australia, okay? That's 5.7 million laps of planet Earth. 
57 million transcontinental runs from Steep Point in the west to Cape Byron in the east. It's actually 22 return trips to Pluto, which is not even a planet anymore, so why would you even bother going there once? And in all of this driving, okay, this stupendous brain-bending, impossible to wrap your consciousness around amount of driving, 1,100 people died. Every death is a tragedy, don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that those lives do not matter because they do. There's a burden on each of us every time we put our hands on the wheel to act responsibly and do our best to avoid this kind of thing, which is, in my view at least, the primary responsibility of driving a car. To me, however, those 1,100 deaths are tantamount to the cost of enjoying all of that mobility within the context of living in an imperfect world. I'm sure that many of those deaths were preventable, okay? And I am sure we can work on it, but it's not out of control. It's not even disproportionate, okay? If you compare those 1,100 road deaths to, for example, accidental falls, which killed 3,300 people in 2019, kind of puts driving in perspective, doesn't it? Admittedly, the average age of the deceased there with the accidental falls was 87.4 years of age, so that's pretty much an age-related problem, it seems, at least to me. Let's look at another one, you know, poisonous or noxious substances, okay? They killed 1,357 Australians in 2019, which is about 200 more deaths than that which took place on the road. The big one for the Grim Reaper, at least if you take disease out of the picture. Disease is absolutely the number one killer of Australians, right? Death is actually the number one killer when you look at it, but if you break it down, disease, right? But if you take disease out of the picture, the big one is, of course, what the statisticians call intentional self-harm. In total, this claimed 3,317 Australians in 2019. That's three times what the road toll is, okay? Intentional self-harm. And look, from broadcasting, which I did previously when I wasn't a YouTuber, I understand what a touchy subject this is, okay? I really do. It's not a joke. Suicide is absolutely not the solution to any problem. It's just not. If this is confronting to you, even slightly, you can call Lifeline here in Australia on 13 11 14. That's 13 11 14. That's what Lifeline is here for, okay? Just don't let depression overtake you. Get some help, 13 11 14. Intentional self-harm is a big killer. The median age for the deceased here, okay? 43.9 years of age, so rather a lot of life years lost to intentional self-harm. And just like the road toll, that's the case, right? A lot of life years get lost because much of this tragedy occurs early in life. And it's also skewed significantly towards males in both cases. Odd similarities there. These data are from the Australian Bureau of Statistics in the publication titled Causes of Death Australia. It's publicly available. Google can find it for you, I'm sure, if you're interested. What I always find amazing when I deep dive into this stuff is that without controlling for specific risk factors and individuals, 
the ambient risk from dying from self-harm is three times higher than that of dying on the road. And this, frankly, does my head in every time I consider it. And then I look at the resources which are marshalled at the prevention of road trauma versus the prevention of suicide, and I really do wonder about society's priorities when it comes to all of this stuff. And don't misinterpret what I'm saying, okay? I am not suggesting that we take resources away from preventing road trauma. What I'm suggesting is that we pay attention to other salient causes of preventable premature death to the overall betterment of society, right? 13 11 14 for Lifeline if this kind of thing upsets or confronts you, which is certainly not the intention of this report. Today, we proud Australians are actually number 14 on the global road safety hit parade behind, in 13th spot, Slovenia, and then Finland, Germany, the Netherlands, Spain, Israel, Japan, Sweden, Denmark, Ireland, the UK, Switzerland, and Norway in pole position. But the pack up the pointy end is pretty tight, so they're all pretty safe. We're pretty safe. We're in front of, among others, Austria, France, Canada, Iceland, Belgium, Italy, South Korea, and we are substantially in front of New Zealand and the United States. Essentially, we got this safe here in Australia by mandating seatbelts in the 1970s and by profoundly changing the cultural acceptance of drink driving as a legitimate way to go about business on the roads in the 1980s and by fitting advanced safety technology to cars after that, Things like airbags and stability control made such a huge difference. Although, interestingly, anti-lock brakes didn't really help. Go figure. They changed the nature of crashes, but didn't reduce the crashes. Of course, the cops and the regulators are quite keen to put all of this improvement down to enforcement and cameras, naturally, and brace for impact on this, okay, because I'm going to say something you perhaps don't like. I am certain that these have had a positive overall beneficial effect. Just not an effect nearly as high as they claim. Okay, not nearly as high. These groups, the cops and the regulators, are spectacularly obsessed in my view and heavy-handed on this topic, but speed compliance is far better now in general. So the, the desired effect has been achieved. It's just a question of how heavy-handed they should be on this and whether or not the big stick could come out a little bit less for minor transgressions in the speed domain and we could perhaps work on other stuff. One thing that doesn't get nearly enough of a run, in my view, is we've got safer roads now. We live in a really big country with a really small population as a proportion of land size, like Australia is the same size as the US, but with roughly one-tenth of the population. So per capita, it's pretty hard to dump a shitload of cash on the roads, okay, per kilometre. Our roads were properly shit in the 1970s, and since then, various governments have made Australia less shit <laughs> by de-shittifying the roads somewhat over the past five decades. And that's an example of your tax dollars at work. Every freeway you drive on today is essentially a bunch of head-on collisions that will not happen anymore. So that's nice. 
Medical technology has improved dramatically too, a fact that nobody ever acknowledges in this domain as some sort of salient factor in survival if you get badly injured at the roadside. It was fairly medieval out there on the roads in the 1970s, right? Like, here's an example, okay, just for context. Dr. Russell Strong, dead set hero, but nobody, statistically, has ever heard of him. A Brisbane-based trauma surgeon in the 1970s, okay? Dr. Strong just got fed up one day with all of the death orbiting liver trauma in car crashes. And to explain, we drive on the right side of the car, okay? And the human liver is just down there on the right-hand side, down at the bottom of your rib cage kind of thing. So if you are the driver of a car and you get T-boned on the right-hand side, it's very easy indeed to suffer a broken rib or ribs that lacerates your liver. And the liver is so problematic surgically, right? It's like a big sponge full of blood, basically, with very few internal landmarks. It's extremely hard to do surgery on the liver. So back in the dark ages of the 1970s, when the Tyrannosaurus Rex got brushed aside and you rushed somebody to hospital with this sort of problem, the prevailing best practice medical advice on liver surgery was, don't bother, dude. It's not going to end well. Anyway, Dr. Russell Strong pioneered a technique called the Brisbane Technique, which is, to this day, used worldwide in emergency liver repair and transplant surgery. Just look it up. Google can find it. The Brisbane Technique, okay? Dr. Strong is a hero. Countless lives have been saved. There's no better term for Dr. Strong, right? He is a hero. And yet, as a nation, we continue to idolise people who can catch and kick a friggin' ball. Hashtag Australia. And if you cannot understand this, get Dickhead Pro today. It'll help you with comprehension of things of that nature. So we have come rather a long way in road safety, but we have not yet done two critical things in my view. We're not training drivers any better. Like, ask any young person what they are shitting bricks over in the context of their upcoming driving exam. It's the reverse park or the hill start if they're driving a manual. Competence in these two procedures, no matter how friggin' extreme, is never going to save anyone's neck, right? I'm completely cool with driving on roads where very few people indeed can reverse park as long as they can all stop and swerve competently and understand the value of paying attention and treating driving like the serious undertaking it really is. So well done there, regulators. And we don't seem to be doing a very good job getting the class of drivers I would categorise as extreme dickheads off the road for good. The court system is spectacularly poor at achieving this. In the context of all of the goals previously kicked, which we just covered off, these two really don't seem so hard. They just don't. Not to me, anyway. I do wonder, at times, what's taking them so long. <laughs> <laughs>